So how are you going about solving the problem that you're not just getting up and putting together products? This is Blair Durham with Black Wall Street Today, your media hub for all things black entrepreneurship, politics, news, and events in Hampton Roads and beyond. When I say black, y'all say Wall Street. Black. Wall Street. Black Wall Street. When I say black, y'all say Wall Street. Black. Black. Greetings, greetings, and welcome to this edition of Black Wall Street Today. I am your host, Blair Durham, and this is part two of our focus on economic development entitled Federal Funds for Local Business. One of the most overlooked sources of funding beyond government contracting is likely the federal government. Yet for social entrepreneurs and those looking to build programs that will benefit the community, there is a repository of funds that's been available actually since 1974. One of the longest continuously running programs at HUD is the Community Development Block Grant. And part of its specific aim is the empowerment of viable urban communities through expanding economic opportunity. A second underutilized community development initiative is a program by the U.S. Treasury to fund companies that seek to provide access to capital and related banking resources to economically disadvantaged individuals as well as businesses. Established banks, credit unions, loan funds, and even venture capital programs can seek the Community Development Financial Institution or CDFI designation in order to receive funds from the U.S. Treasury. A report published by the CDFI Fund this month demonstrates that of the 287 CDFIs that existed in 2016, four were banks, 46 were credit unions, 232 were loan funds, and five were venture capital funds, reflecting nearly $25 billion in assets. Quote, more than 80% of their lending portfolio is targeted to serve low-income families, high-poverty communities, and underserved populations. Finally, today's show will focus on the Opportunity Zones, Opportunity Funds, and New Market Tax Credits. These federal programs are designed to provide incentives for investing unrealized capital gains in distressed communities, real estate, in order to improve economic conditions. President Trump's Tax Cuts and Jobs Act added Opportunity Zones to the tax code on December 22nd of 2017 with the hope of spurring economic development and creating jobs. Although extensive information is available online, today's show will focus on two Hampton University alums' involvement with these federal economic development programs, as well as one university who is a beneficiary of their efforts. Today, I'd like to welcome to the show Ms. Aaliyah Slappy-Wilson and Mr. Sean Washington. Welcome, welcome. Thank you. Hello. Thank you so much for being here. First of all, you guys both have an incredible story regarding how you got started in this work. Would you please, beginning with you, Aaliyah, just kind of share how you got to this point? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, So I attended Hampton University where I majored in journalism and communication and started my career um, as an education reporter for a mid-sized daily newspaper. And while doing that work, I realized... um, all of the discrepancies and all the challenges that were in our public education system, which led me to go back to school and get a master's degree in urban economic development. So I can really start to analyze and see how do we make long-term systemic change in communities. Um, My first work was as a community organizer, post-graduate school, my first work was as a community organizer working to um, improve public education for 15 West Philadelphia schools. And at that same time, I started my own small business and went through all of the trainings that were offered through the Minority Business Development Agency that my company had. And going through all of the training programs, I secured several contracts right away 
um, and quickly was promoted to develop women's programs for um, minority women in Philadelphia. And so that's how my career kind of jumped from from working in journalism to working in economic development and then really being a champion for small businesses and really seeing how an entire community can transform their lives through small business development. So I really see myself as an advocate for small businesses, especially those that are owned by minority and women of color. So awesome. you got to tell that part of it, though, that has to do with your family and kind of being yes. raised <laughs> in a small business environment as That well. is true. Um, my family owned a small business from 1984 to about two years ago, sold the small business. Um, and it is through my family's small business that we paid for me to go to Hampton University. And so um, going to school debt-free because of a small business in my family was such a huge component um, of the of what happens when you have a small business and a small business stays in a family and a bit in a family being able to have the financial resources to send somebody to college that is huge when we think about what it costs a black family is 35 percent of their own wealth that they put into their child going to higher education and so if you have a small business that can help funnel that and help pay for that that is a huge weight that comes off of the um, the household income that would go towards paying for higher ed. Incredible. I love it. Couldn't have a better guest for this topic. What about you, Sean? How did you get involved in this work? Well, I'll tell you, my uh, story is not that exciting, so I'm happy to see you at first. But um, again, fellow Hampton University grad, uh, got out here in 2005 in business administration, uh, had a concentration in entrepreneurship and finance. Uh, my first job was a small financial services firm uh, that was actually owned by AIG. So this is from 2005 to 2008. Uh, I started doing underwriting and lending for small um, businesses, home equity lines of credit, uh, credit card financing, retail financing, you name it. Um, 2008 hit, of course. We don't know what happened with the recession. Um, unfortunately, I lost my job. Company dissolved. Left the industry for about a year. And then I started with BB&T in 2009. I went through their executive leadership training program uh, where I really got to hone my skills in small business underwriting. Um, and that's what I did from 2009 to 2017. Uh, was a small business lender based out of Virginia Beach. Um, 2017, June to be exact, I had an opportunity to work with the city of Norfolk. Um, mainly because, um, and I know we'll get into the conversation, um, it was identified that they had access to these federal funds mm -hmm. and they were looking for somebody to pretty much create programs from the ground on up. Um, wow. And because of my experience in being a small business banker, um, I just got to the point where I knew that certain businesses I was not able to help. Uh, because of a credit score wasn't there, a debt-to-income ratio wasn't there, a liquidity ratio wasn't there, you name it. Um, and again, for whatever reason, it just started to hit me. And I said, you know what? There's a lot of businesses that deserve to be helped, but because they don't fit into the box of a bank's underwriting practices, we can't do anything. So when I had this opportunity, I knew that this was the means for me to be able to change that landscape and help create programs that could help those businesses that uh, did have access to the private lending institutions. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. Well, welcome. I know you guys are both fairly new to your roles with the city. And part of, again, as you mentioned, you know, being able to create programs. Talk about what are the new initiatives that are underway. In fact, before you get started, I am going to open up the phone line 757-727-5711. If you have specific questions about what the city of Norfolk is doing um, to, to fund small businesses, please, please call in. Go ahead. So one of the main things that we 
that we brought to the city almost, almost two years ago was the Small Business Initiative. We wanted to have a very intentional way that we supported the start and growth of small businesses in Norfolk. And one of the main needs that our small businesses have is training and really understanding what it takes to run a business, right? If you are a mechanic or say you have a cleaning company or you have a desire or a passion to clean, you may know that skill set, but you may not know all of the intricacies that are involved in actually running a company. Sure. So it's our job to constantly think about what does an entrepreneur need to know that they don't even know they need to know. Right. So we're regularly designing trainings around the needs of the entrepreneur that they haven't even identified yet. And so always looking at what other cities are doing, what are the needs of our entrepreneurial community and developing training so that we can support them. That is one major component of our small business initiative. Another major component, if you are a small business, you don't have access to consultants, right? You don't have an advisor that you can talk to about sure. some of the challenges that exist in your business. And so in our economic development department, we almost operate as consultants, almost like you're hiring a Deloitte for free to get the resources you need and help to talk out issues that exist within your business. And I I think that's one of the greatest resources that we have is almost you're getting myself or Sean or someone else on our staff to sit down with you in a consultant type of role to advise you about your business. And so those are two of the major components that are so essential before you even talk about money. Because people yeah. come to the table and they always say they need money and they don't even know what they need money for, right? Mm -hmm. And so they don't even know how they're going to spend it. They throw out terms like working capital because they read it in Entrepreneur Magazine, but not right. really knowing what does working capital mean, right? Mm -hmm. What does it mean to have positive cash flow and to have money at the end of the month so that you can pay your employees next month if that um, payment from the city doesn't come through, right? right? So helping folks to understand what really goes into the financial health of your business. And we do that through our trainings and also through that one-on-one -on -one technical assistance that really does look like a consulting service for small businesses. And then that is complemented by the financial resources that we are now making available to our business community. Let's please hear about those. Yeah, well, actually, real quick, yeah. could you just speak to a couple of the titles that you have coming up yeah. um, for, for Norfolk businesses or general businesses? Yes. One of the trainings that we just finished in partnership with Black Brand that has been wildly successful um, for the past almost two years has been focused on finance and focused on funding, really to address the financial challenges that small businesses encounter. Something new and exciting that we're offering at the end of this month is Small Business Picture Day. Um, for some, that may sound that. whimsical and light, but for us, it's really a chance for if you're an, if you're an expertise in, expert in your field, excuse me, and you may not have the financial resources to get professional headshots taken, right? That you could then put on your website or have on your business cards or have on your promotion material. We are removing that cost for you. And if you're a Norfolk business, you can come to the Jordan Newby Library to get your professional headshots taken while also going through a training session that we're having on how to leverage your influence. Sometimes we think that we have to be further along in our business to have influence, but whatever expertise you have, whatever network you currently have, you have an influence already. And so we want to help folks leverage the influence they currently have and see the connection between who they are as an entrepreneur and the influence that they bring to not just their industry, but to the community as a whole. And so that's one of our upcoming sessions that, that we That gives have. me a warm and fuzzy, Aaliyah. <laughs> awesome, awesome. <laughs> like, on November 29th. So November 29th. Yes, at the Jordan Newby Library. It's 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. 9 to 12. So that's our next upcoming opportunity. Okay. And something that, we're, that, we, that we've offered for the past couple of years is our Women's Power Series, really okay. celebrating the entrepreneurial spirit of women, um, really having a chance for women to serve as the, um, as the experts sharing with other women on, about their, their entrepreneurial journey and how they've gotten to levels of success within their own businesses. And so we're preparing to do it 
um, not necessarily bigger and greater, but greater and greater um, and with more excellence for this um for 2019's Women's History Month. And so we're thinking of what does that look like and how do we reach every woman who is, whether she's an aspiring entrepreneur or a current entrepreneur, um, on her journey. And so we're really trying to work through that right now and in preparation for that. Good stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Black Wall Street Today with Blair Durham. We're talking with Aaliyah Slappy Wilson and Sean Washington from the City of Norfolk Economic Development, just about all kinds of ways to be empowered as business owners. Uh, we're going to move now into new programs to fund small businesses. What have you got for us, Sean? Absolutely. And if I may, before I do uh, jump to that topic, I want to okay. kind of dovetail what uh, Lee was talking about, about the uh, department as a whole being a consultant. Because I think a lot of people don't realize, even if you're not in the city of Norfolk, reach out to your economic development department so you know what type of resources are available. Um, outside of us here, I mean, the team is very well versed. We have somebody who's a real estate professional. So if you're oh, wow. thinking about trying to identify space, uh, open up that brick and mortar, we have somebody who's been in the real estate world for several years who can walk you through that process, help you identify those properties and know what it is to negotiate a deal in the lease if this is your first time doing so. Uh, we have somebody that's a workforce development specialist, whereas if you're looking for talent and labor, uh, he can sit down with you and be able to identify what your needs are, get a job description, and help be a broker, for lack of better words, and uh, identify those potential employees for you to be able to grow. And then we also have somebody on the team that does marketing and then data analysis. Okay. You know, a lot okay. of the times people neglect the fact that, hey, I want to move into this location, and you ask them why. Where's the research or where's the market data or the research that supports why you should go to that particular location? Um, so that's something else that we offer there in the city of Norfolk. So I just wanted to make sure, and I'm happy Leah said that, that we do have the ability to be a full-blown consultant and then we have individuals who who are specialists in those particular areas and disciplines. Good to know, ladies and gentlemen, the phone lines are open. 757-727-5711 if you have a question for Sean or Leah, Go ahead, we're talking about programs. Yeah, so um, definitely I know this is a hot topic here and I'll try to yes. kind of summarize <laughs> I'm this information seat, and, and paint a picture for everybody. And uh, Leah and I have been working on this for quite some time and we think we have uh, kind of a secret sauce for lack of better words, but so what we are creating is uh, programs that tier as you grow. Okay. Um, and so I talked about obviously when I was in banking that there were certain deals we were not able to do. Here's a perfect example. If you weren't established for two years and you didn't have business returns to support obviously your financials, most banks won't do anything for you. So we already know that that's a gap in the marketplace. So we've created a program that uh, is called a micro grant. Okay. And basically what that micro grant will do that if you are literally startup, we just say zero to two years, yeah. you can be eligible for this particular grant. Um, the grants are going to run from 1500 up to 10000 can be used for an abundance of things. I'm just going to name a few, whether you're just starting out with some uh, specific materials and inventory that you need, small pieces of equipment, if you have permitting fees through the city, uh, licensing fees, things of that nature, a POS system, you name it. Those okay. are some of the things we are trying to make sure that you have kind of foundationally in place as it relates to your business infrastructure so you can continue to grow and scale. Um, those, so yep, absolutely. So now you mentioned uh, one of the terms, which was a uh, community block development grant, CDBG is what we call yeah. it. Um, those funds is the source of that particular grant. And so with that, you have to actually benefit either a low to moderate income individual or a low to moderate income census track. So the way that we look at it, if you as the business owner are at the time of uh, application a low to moderate income individual, you are actually eligible for those funds because wow. per those regulations, you have to benefit low to moderate income something. Yeah. And that is the way that we get around that. 
Now, we are working on a, a program that will run parallel to that, whereas if you are not a low to moderate income business owner, um, that we possibly will have something available for you and those parameters will be the same. A micro grant, 1500 to 10000 same exact type of parameters. However, one source of funds is for low to moderate income individuals and the other pot of funding is not for low to moderate income individuals. So okay. we want to make sure that we can actually help any business as they continue to go through the process. So hmm. the next phase, I kind of mentioned this tiered concept here, um, is a reimbursable grant. Those grants, again, are funded through uh, CDBG. Once again, low to moderate income, as we just stated there. Those will go up to $35,000, um, almost the same uses. So we talk about inventory materials, marketing expenses, things of that nature. Uh, we can be flexible there. Uh, okay. The main thing, though, is that you are required to hire one low to moderate income individual. So the business owner doesn't have to be, uh, the terminology is LMI, but yeah. the person you hire has to be an LMI individual. And of course, uh, particularly, we want that individual to be a city of Norfolk resident because we are helping Norfolk businesses and we're helping the residents of the city of Norfolk. Um, and that is, again, in itself a reimbursable grant. So that means you go out and spend the money. You bring in the receipts, proof of purchase, things of that nature. We turn around and cut you a check for that 35000 So you are made whole in itself. Um, huge game changer. We've been able to do a couple of those already. Okay. Uh, businesses have been giving us great feedback. We're really tweaking the process now to be able to get those reimbursements back to our businesses in a quicker fashion because we all know the power of cash flow. It can really hurt or break a business. So we want to make sure that we're actually being an asset to that process and not being a detriment. Got um, it. The last thing. Yep, the Just going to say, this is Black Wall Street today. Yeah, Blair Durham chatting with Elise Lappy Wilson and Sean Washington from the city of Norfolk all about new programs to help business owners uh, as it relates specifically to funding. My question for you is what types of businesses are kind of best suited for this program? Yeah, that's a great question. And so per the regulations, there really are no, you can't do this type of business. Okay. They do have something, um, and this is a common term in any type of federal financing, they call them sin businesses. So if you think about sometimes a gentleman's club, um, another uh, reference that they have is certain massage parlors, uh, pawn shops, things of that nature Okay, are the ones that they say we are not able to assist. Okay. Um, the other things that the regulations say are basically uh, uh, religious organizations. Unfortunately, we can't do anything there. Political organizations, things of that nature. Okay. Um, okay. But those are the only guidelines that they have. Um, what I like to do, and Aliyah as well, we sit down with the businesses to make sure that this is going to be something that is going to, again, be an asset and not harm them. And here's a great example, right? There are a lot of businesses that are working just kind of online as well. Maybe they're scalable type of tech businesses. Sure. Maybe they don't have the need to hire somebody at that moment. That's not a good business decision for them. And that's fine. So maybe that means that they're not suited for that reimbursable grant because, as I said, there's a requirement that you have to hire somebody. So we don't want to put somebody in a position where they're making a business decision to hire when it doesn't actually behoove them to do so. Mm -hmm. So, again, there really isn't, again, hey, we can't do this type of business or that type of business. It's more along the lines, does this fit your needs? And is this going to be more of a help than a hindrance for your process? Got it. Hey, phone lines are open. 757-727-5711. You talked about tiers. We yes. covered two of them. Is we there did. a third tier? There is a third tier, yes. So uh, the final one, and you mentioned this term as well, uh, CDFI. Okay. Um, so we do have a CDFI uh, in our region, uh, VCC, which I know yeah. you've worked with plenty of times. So we are in negotiations with them to hopefully be able to administer some of the federal funding that we have. 
So we acquired the funding, um, I believe in 2014 or 2015. Uh, please okay. don't quote me on that. Uh, at that time, the city was open to actually administer the loans themselves. But now with new leadership, we've decided we don't want to administer the loans. We're not a bank, as we like to say. We don't really have the infrastructure to do that. Um, so we're working with VCC as a third-party administrator okay. so they can actually administer those funds for us. Applications will still run through us. Uh, we'll still vet the businesses. We'll sit down with them, make sure it fits their needs. And then we'll steer them right on over to VCC so they can handle the application process, uh, the distribution process, I mean, the whole nine yards. Um, and it works out well because we still have the opportunity to touch the businesses, speak with them. Um, and some of those loans themselves can actually go up to 150000 So that's why we're calling it Beautiful. a tiered process. And we really want those particular loans to be for, you know, further established businesses who is ready to take on some additional debt right. on their balance sheet who can support it from a revenue and cash flow standpoint. I got it. Let's take the caller. Black Wall Street yeah. today. This is Blair Durham. Who's there? Hi, this is Latanya. Hi, Latanya. You've got a question for our guests? Yes, I'm listening to the program and I'm very interested in the things that Sean and Leah are sharing. I'm a new business owner. I actually went into a location in March and start, you know, all the work. My problem now is I wanted just to be a salon owner, but I have all the people that I've interviewed and tried to find to work in the salon, they, they don't want to work. And so now I'm finding myself having to you know, get behind the chair, get training for myself now. And so I have this building and these bills and these things and um, money's constantly, you know, steadily going out every month, but no income coming in. One, because of the location, um, which I'm looking to move when my lease up is up in March. So all the things that they've been sharing, I need, because I went into it not you know, like you said, not knowing all the ins and outs and all the funds and all this that was going to take place. But now I'm committed. And so I really do need um, help. Awesome. Thank you so much for calling. We're going to actually answer uh, your question offline. Just keep your radio on so you can hear the answer. Um, thank you again for calling. So the question was, for the benefit of our Facebook viewers, we've got a salon owner um, who is obviously committed to a space. She's struggling to find staff. At this point, her cash flow is likely dwindling. Are there solutions in place with the city of Norfolk that could potentially help her? The, the one solution that immediately comes to mind is um, our workforce resource through Norfolk Works. We gotta make sure that we get you staff into your space, qualified staff, so that you can focus on running the business and you can have some folks in there doing the day-to-day -day work, right? One of the things that happens to many entrepreneurs is they get stuck working in the business and they can't work on the business. We wanna definitely make sure that we get you some strong folks that are in there um, and can do the day-to-day -day work. So Norfolk Works is the city's um, job resource center, but also a resource for businesses that are looking for strong talent in the city of Norfolk. So that's definitely one resource. And Sean, do you want to speak to, on the financial side, how there can be support? Yeah, absolutely. And, and Lee, you actually mentioned this a little bit before. I actually agree with you in terms of uh, getting the actual salon staff because, again, I've done plenty of loans for salons uh, when I was at the bank. And the main thing is is that those employees are paying, of course, that traditional booth rent. And so that is the answer from a revenue standpoint. 
Um, and I think it's important because we mentioned this earlier. Sometimes it's not necessarily a cash injection at that time. It's figuring out how do we fatten up the top line, i.e. that revenue base, to be able to assist you to go through that process. Now, I, I will say this, and uh, I'm assuming this salon may be in the city of Norfolk, so the programs that I mentioned could be a potential asset. Um, but one thing that I will mention about them is that two things. One, uh, we are slated to roll these out January 1, New Year. Secondly, these are going to be quarterly processes. Um, so I'll briefly and quickly describe that. So month of January, we're going to be accepting the applications. The second month of that quarter, so February for this example, we're going to be reviewing the applications. Third quarter, we're actually going to be signing contracts, uh, distributing funds, things of that nature. And we start that process all over again, of course, uh, for this particular example in the second quarter. Perfect. You've got to go to break. Yeah. But when we get back, we'll take more questions for Lee and Sean, and we'll talk about one university's new business accelerator initiative. Welcome, welcome back. This is Black Wall Street Today with Blair Durham. We're having a wonderful conversation with Aaliyah Slappy Wilson and Sean Washington from the city of Norfolk talking about all kinds of federal resources to grow your businesses. Now I'd like to turn to a conversation about Opportunity Zones. Can you talk a little bit about the city's initiatives and kind of bring us up to speed on what this project is and, and what it means for our community? Yeah, absolutely. And again, hopefully I'll give you the uh, Cliff Notes version here. So, but as you notated earlier, Blair, uh, came out of the uh, tax job act there from uh, President Trump, uh, the begin oh, I'm sorry, the end of the uh, calendar year, December 17. And so basically what it is, is that uh, all the municipalities were able to nominate census tracts and where uh, will be labeled as opportunity zones to help get capital private dollars into these particular areas. So okay. the scenario I kind of give to everybody is this. It's built to help capture the capital gains of uh, investors yeah. uh, to, again, drive to particular projects or businesses. So easy scenario. If I am a wealthy investor, I sell off a bunch of stocks. I have $3 million in capital gains. I can now take that money and give it to what is called a fund manager. Um, and we can talk about that if we have time. And then that fund manager has to take all the money within that portfolio and then invest it into, again, either projects or individual businesses that are located in opportunity zones. So wow. what the city of Norfolk is doing, we have uh, 16 census tracts that have been approved as Opportunity Zones. We have the most census tracts in Hampton Roads. Okay. And there are some major projects that we are trying to accomplish. And one that's known by the public is the St. Paul's Project. Okay. And so with that particular one, we know that it's going to be a large amount of, uh, of uh, investment and or capital that's needed to actually complete it. And so we are trying to leverage Opportunity Zones to see if we can capture some of these capital gains as I just uh, described to help fund some of the redevelopment that we are trying to do in that particular area there. So my question is, do you find that in your work, have you found that only wealthy investors have, have participated? Is there a way for, like how can, how can anyone access this program? That's correct. Yep, great question. So that's kind of what uh, our department comes in. What we're trying to do is help bridge the gap for businesses and developers to get access to the capital. Yeah. So in that example I just gave, all roads, as I say, lead back to the fund manager. Sure. The fund manager is the one that is responsible for saying, okay, I now have these capital gains. I have this money. Then they are required by law to take 90% of that portfolio and deploy that into opportunity zones. 
So what the city is trying to do now, and I have received several phone calls from some of our businesses, they are asking the question, well, I am trying to grow, I am trying to expand, how do I get access to these dollars? So we are looking to identify fund managers in our local market and even outside of the market, and we are trying to speak to them to say, hey, look, are you interested in investing into this census tract? Because we have five businesses that we have identified that is looking for capital and want to expand. Once we partner those two up, that business and that fund manager, we then have to step out. Because we cannot be at the table helping to negotiate or broker or deal or anything of that nature. We just want to help the businesses get access to the fund managers, which should help them hopefully get access to that capital. Sean, this is a really, really hot topic. I definitely want to make sure that our listeners know that the phone lines are still open. If you have questions about the opportunity zones in particular, 757-727-5711. Call in, get your question answered today. Is there more you want to say about the program? Uh, yes, and I'll speak to the uh, kind of the strategy that the city of Norfolk is doing now. So we actually have created an Opportunity Zones website as okay. well. Um, again, I've been getting a lot of calls of businesses asking, am I in a zone and what does that mean? Uh, so we went ahead and put a lot of that information um, on that website that's accessible to anybody. Um, okay. The other thing what that is we, that website? Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. It is just the Norfolk Development website. So okay. NorfolkDevelopment.com. You'll just go to a tab that says Business Incentives, and then you'll see the drop down that says Opportunity Zones. All right. Um, so what we did uh, at the end of July, very quickly here, we actually had what was called Opportunity Zones Day. Uh, And so we had some individuals come down from New York and D.C. uh, who were working kind of hand in hand with the Treasury at that time trying to formulate the regulations. So they had some information that really the rest of the market did not have. Okay. So we had a full-blown panel discussion with them. They did 15-minute presentations on what this means, what the impact is going to be. We filled the room up with uh, developers, CPAs, lawyers, business owners, uh, CDFIs, CDCs. I mean, you name wow. it. We just wanted everybody in the room so they can understand how they maximize and leverage this economic development tool. Um, last round of regulations came out two weeks ago, which gave a lot more clarity in the marketplace. So now we're starting to see some fund managers pop up. Okay. And those are the okay. ones that we are aggressively trying to speak to. Um, the last thing I know that there is one more round of regulations that's supposed to roll out, they said, before the end of the calendar year. Okay. Um, and at that time, we know that uh, all fund managers will probably be identified. Um, and the fund managers at that time will have a better idea of what they are looking to invest in. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Black Wall Street today with Blair Durham. We're talking with Aaliyah Slappy Wilson and Sean Washington from the city of Norfolk, talking specifically now about opportunity zones. I do want to ask, is there an interplay between the new market tax credits and the opportunity zone? Is that a like a win-win? Is there a double? Yes, yes, and yes. And okay. so here is the, the short answer. So one reason why... Uh, experts have said that this tool is going to be more powerful than new market tax credit, litex, things of that nature. Okay. Is that you have the ability to literally layer, as the saying goes, all these capital resources yeah. with opportunity zones, which is a game changer. And so here's a perfect example. If somebody yeah. is doing a project with, let's say, litex or new market tax credit, most developers are looking to get maybe about a 12% IRR on their investment. Sure. Now with the tax incentive of opportunity zones, that IRR can now jump up to 16, 17, and 18%. Huge. So now if you have a project, and this is for any municipality that's in an opportunity zone, normally if an investor knows they can get you know an additional 6% on a return, 
they're gonna now yield their money into those particular areas and projects rather than going somewhere else where they're only gonna get 12. Um, that is the power of, of the opportunity zones. And that's why when they're labeled in those census tracts that are usually low to moderate income census tracts to get projects done, that will help take some of these private dollars that maybe the private industry normally wouldn't look at these uh, actual areas and now drive that money to those particular areas. I had to write all that down. It's a lot of information. I, know. I love that. Okay, so we've got just a minute or so here. What do what do you guys want to say in closing? Where can we find you all? What's coming up next? I know we talked about a program on November 29th, I think it was. Just a few words in closing. What would you say to somebody who needs what you do? Um, the city of Norfolk is committed to supporting the start and growth of small businesses. And that is at the core of who we are. That's the core of the work that Sean and I do every day. And part of that is advocating on behalf of small businesses when they don't always have a voice at the table. And so just know that we are that resource. Okay. I think the beautiful part is that if you can't tell, Lee and I certainly have a passion for what we do. And we are going to continue to be those advocates. And uh, we are very easy to find. Again, yeah, how can you be reached? Yeah, yeah. I, uh, just the website that I gave, the uh, NorfolkDevelopment.com. Okay. Again, last tab there says staff profiles. You'll see Aaliyah and I there. Email addresses there. Office numbers are there. Uh, we always travel with business cards. So we are willing to talk to any and everybody to make sure that they're aware of the resources that are available to them. Love it. NorfolkDevelopment.com. Sounds good. Thank you so much. Appreciate you being here. Look forward to having you both back. Indeed. indeed. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. No, thank you so much. We'll talk soon. All right. It's time for one of my favorite segments. Hashtag add this to the list. The largest black bank in the U.S., One United, announced its plans to keep the hashtag Bank Black Movement Alive by donating to the ACLU and the Be Me community, which is an organization sworn to building a network of black men who've sworn their lives to helping others. Every new customer opening a checking account between October 25th and December 31st represents a donation that will be made in honor of Leon Ford, who is a current candidate for city council in Pittsburgh and a survivor of police brutality. One United has pledged a minimum of $25,000 to the ACLU and the BME community. And the first Black-owned day trading company now provides courses on how to profit from the stock market. According to blacknews.com, LaToya and Ernest created the Profit Room based on their individual success as traders and investors. They're well known for their transparency and showing profits and losses from their live day trading rooms. And they both have a unique ability to teach and mentor in a simple way where anyone can learn. Ernest and LaToya trade stocks, options, Forex, and futures, and they've designed mentorship programs to teach others how to create income and generational wealth. Their goal is to help others to at least make an additional $100 to $200 a day trading live with them. And they already have four four-time minority traders trading and moderating daily in the futures and Forex room. I am so delighted to introduce at this time our second guest, who is the program director for Norfolk State University's new Center for Innovation. I have Ms. Akosua here. Say hello. Hi. Hi, everyone. Thank Hi, you Blair. so nice much for being here. Good to see you. Thank Good you. Good to see you, too. 
Well, as you know, this is part two of our focus on economic development. I believe that what Norfolk State is doing with their new Center for Innovation is certainly an economic development opportunity. Can you speak a little bit to the initiatives and what you guys have underway? Yes, of course. So we're so excited about NSU's new impact in the community. Um, It's just a way for us to extend our arms to the cities and just be there for the cities. So we have um, an innovation center opening up in January of 2019. Um, It's located downtown Norfolk and we're ready to just be a huge support to the community. We have systems in place that we're going to talk about today. So I'm really excited. I am super excited. So Center for Innovation, we've heard these terms before. What specifically is Norfolk State doing? Okay. Is it just a business hub? Are you holding networking events? Is there more to it than that? What do you guys have going on? There's definitely more to it than that. Um, We know that there's a lot of events that goes on downtown, which um, are around the whole cities and Hampton Roads in general. So we would be doing the events and we also do have a co-working space very affordable co-working spaces, a chance for startups and entrepreneurs to come into our space, utilize our space 24-7. You will have SS card to the space if this you're a huge. member. Yes, very affordable. No less than $60.99. So very affordable for you to have your own space to work at. And then we also have office spaces downtown okay. starting from 400 and up. So we're just so excited about that. So there's events. This co-working space and then the startup trainings. So that is where we come in place. This is where academia and research meet entrepreneurship. So we're ready to use all of our resources, all of the expertise that we have. We have professors that are wanting to be mentors to just really train people through a disciplined entrepreneurship approach. I love it. I was just going to say, well, first, you're listening to Black Wall Street today. Uh, I'm Blair Durham. I'm here with Program Director Akosawa with Norfolk State University's new Center for Innovation. I thought it was just a a fitting conversation because Norfolk State has benefited from the programs that we were just talking about uh, by way of the Community Development Block Grant, et cetera, right? So this is kind of of real time what can happen. Um, Say more, though, about Mm -hmm. this initiative. So how did how did this happen? Was this something that was always sort of in the long-range plan for Norfolk State? Uh, what what bought this on for the city? Yes, it has always been in the plans of Norfolk State, but I believe it's all about finding the right person to manage it. Sure. So I was with ODU under yes. um, <laughs> my former manager at the ODU Innovation Center, which is also downtown, and um, helped manage the space, fill the space up with entrepreneurs, huge activities, success, and it's still going on right now. And Norfolk State, um, I found out about this opportunity, so I approached the School of Business. So it's coming out of the School of Business, which is really cool. Dean Carrington was the one that I met, spoke to him about my experience and how I'm really ready to impact our cities. And that was it. And throughout the process, you know, went through the process and all of that. And now I'm here with NSU Innovation Center and the School of Business. I love it. Can you talk a little bit about how you got involved with this sort of work? What was your path to wanting to inspire entrepreneurship? Perfect. Um, I grew up with my grandma and my grandma, I grew up in Ghana. I was born and raised in Ghana, West Africa. And so my grandma and my mom had businesses, several businesses. So I was always around, you know, cash and 
products and selling and people and all that. So I believe I've always had that passion in me. Yeah. But what got me into helping other entrepreneurs was when my grandma passed away. I realized that there was such an ad hoc movement of um, business, which is like there wasn't that much of structures left in place. So if that one person is carrying the business and they're not there anymore, the chances of the business falling is really huge. And so because of that, I got into engineering management. Okay. And so I have my master's in engineering management, which is all understanding systems and how business systems work so you can have a sustainable and a viable business. Wow, I love it. We've got just a couple minutes left. I want to hear more about the training programs yes, that, that you're putting into place yes. um, <laughs> with, with Norfolk State. I'm so excited. I actually really want to talk about that. So the training program is all comes from a place of because of lack of opportunities for minority women and minorities in general when it comes to investable venture capitalists, VC, um, and angel investment. Okay. So the percentages are very low, just over 2% of in the nation of minorities get VC funds and just less than 0.2% women get VC funds. So <laughs> we want to just put a dent and just raise that ball up. And we believe that it's because of lack of what, lack of knowledge and lack of the resources and the things that the investors are looking at. They're not looking at the same things that banks are looking at. They're yeah. looking at certain systems and structures in place. And so we're ready to expose that knowledge and train people on what investors are truly looking for. Okay, so, so you guys are in place basically to make sure that people become investable. Yes. I love it. Yes, that's exactly why we're there. And um, what we have, we're putting together curriculums, we're putting together programs, not just to help our members, but people that are really interested in it. You said a yes. mouthful. You said that banks are looking for one thing, but investors are looking for systems. Yes. They're, so, look, mm -hmm. go ahead. they're very looking at how are you following it from one stage to the other? So how are you going about solving the problem that you're not just getting up and putting together products? You're not just building something that nobody wants, but you're involving your customers while you're developing that particular product. And so we're going to be talking about how do you involve your your potential customers, how do you talk to them before you even start wasting time and money? Is this something that they want? And how do you generate early sales? And so that those are the things that we'll be walking hand in hand with our members on. I am so excited, Akosua. Yes, Please too. tell our listeners and our Facebook viewers, how can they find out more about the Center for Innovation? All I right. know you're going to launch in January. How can people get involved? All right. So it's located downtown and yeah. it's 520 East Main Street. Okay. And that is where the physical location would be. Okay. Um, like I mentioned, it's coming out of the School of Business. Sure. So if you can just go on the website, um, you will find the contact information. Our physical building is 700 Park Avenue, Norfolk, Virginia 23504. And then our number is 757 
823-8600. Okay. And yes. is there a website that talks specifically about the new center? We do not have a website yet. Okay. No problem. Mm-hmm. I'm just excited. So 823-8600, area code 757. If we're interested in more information about yes. the Center for Innovation. Just mentioned that you want to know more about the Innovation Center and they will direct you. Perfect, perfect. Akosa, this has been great. I certainly look forward to having you back. Thank you. I'm excited. (laughs) Thank you so much. Next up, four upcoming business crawls. The Black Business Tour in Los Angeles, California was founded in 2016 by South Los Angeles native Monet Lamb. TBBT brings attention to Black-owned businesses throughout Los Angeles and Southern California by bringing consumers directly to the source. Participants board the bus to shop at a variety of Black-owned establishments in the area. Lamb was inspired to start the company after her video promoting a Black-owned beauty store in Inglewood, California went viral and she received plenty of positive feedback. The tour is also her way of tackling gentrification by giving Black-owned businesses exposure and building businesses. You can book a tour through their website and social media. The Black Businesses Bus Tour in Tampa Bay, Florida is a similar initiative hosted by a nonprofit organization founded by Candy Lowe and launched in 2006. Located in the Tampa Bay area, the BBBT shines awareness and the importance of Black businesses in the community. Tour gives Black businesses an economical way to endorse their businesses to the community. For just $10 a seat, consumers can take a ride in the following Florida cities. Clearwater, St. Petersburg, Lakeland, Brandon, Sarasota, Miami, Orlando, Tallahassee, Jacksonville, and Fort Lauderdale. Shoppers have the opportunity to support and buy Black through the tour. Lowe is a strong leader when it comes to supporting Black businesses. Her company had taken a four-year break after its launch, and when the tour resumed in September, Lowe noticed that nearly 80% of the businesses her tour had first visited were gone. Store owners who take part in the tour rave about the increase of business that the tour has brought to their location. In an interview with USA Today, a store owner said, quote, it brings a lot of crowds to the business and almost everybody who comes walks out of here with something. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of Black Wall Street Today. And last thing, as promised, five best hashtags for Black entrepreneurs according to Black Enterprise. The hashtag Black Entrepreneur is crucial for Black entrepreneurs wanting to attract online attention. It identifies you as an entrepreneur of color and it helps you connect with the rapidly growing Black entrepreneur community. Be sure to use this hashtag on multiple social networking platforms including Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and Facebook. Next, hashtag pitch black. Hashtag pitch black. Another must use uh, hashtag for black entrepreneurs wanting to connect with movers and shakers within the black startup and investment sector. Pitch black refers to black entrepreneurs pitching their startup companies to angel investors and venture capitalists. Add it to your social media post and you'll be surprised at how quickly your entrepreneurial endeavors will be spotted by investors specifically looking for entrepreneurs of color. Next, hashtag support black business is a hashtag that helps introduce your black owned business or potential customers and investors online. Whether you want to attract local customers in your own community or connect with angel investors wanting to support black and Latino entrepreneurs, using the hashtag support black business in your social media posts will help you connect with those interested in supporting your ventures. Number four, hashtag shop black. If you sell products as a black entrepreneur, consider integrating hashtag shop black into your social media strategy. And last but certainly not least is the hashtag black tech. 
For Black entrepreneurs building technology companies, that hashtag is essential. Add it to your post on social media and networking sites, and there's a great chance you'll attract investor attention from Black-focused investors like at Arlen Was Here. Being social media savvy, as we know, is imperative for Black owners wanting to increase their success rate. I want to thank you for turning in, tuning in today. Next week's focus will continue the dialogue on economic development. We will host the city of Norfolk. Look forward to talking with you soon. Again, this is Black Wall Street Today, and I'm your host, Blair Durham. Stay with us online at Black Wall Street Today on Facebook and Black Wall Street Today on Instagram. And then follow us on Twitter as well at BWS Today. We look forward to talking again next week. Have a wonderful week.